Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Thursday, everybody. Glad you're with us this afternoon for another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Kelly Santer. First Bank Studios in uh, Hattiesburg today. Luke Johnson off and won't be back uh, for a few weeks, uh, but Kelly's going to sit in for him, and uh, glad to have you here, Kelly. Do the best I can, Bob. The best I am, but a simple man that travels from village to village with meager skit. <laughs> Colin Mills is going to join us a little later in the show. He's a former football player for Southern Miss. Patrick McGee will be joining us uh, in the next segment to update us on any news surrounding uh, the Southern Miss uh, Athletic Department. But before we get to all of those fine guests, I want to remind you about Dickey's Barbecue Pit, great supporters of this show and Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy their delicious foods. They cook it in-house every day around uh, the state of Mississippi. They'll cater any event, large or small. In fact, I said this yesterday, Kelly. i got to get to take care of this. Let me make a note here. Uh, we're going to put together a little deal with uh, with our listening audience on our Facebook page. And what we're going to do is we're going to come up with a, a contest, and we're going to try to find some Southern Miss uh, and Eagle Hour listeners that are using Dickies to cater their homecoming event. And then we're going to go pay them a visit at their homecoming and take them all kinds of super talk and Eagle Hour goodies at the homecoming deal. And the other part of that is if it would if it would make your homecoming better if we not show up. At your, at we could deliver everything. Yes. We could have everything delivered. Uh, you get right. your choice. Yeah, right. right. Well, we probably know what the choice will be. <laughs> yes. So more on that a little later in the show. The Massey ratings are out. Massey ratings are very interesting. We have all these different ratings of football programs around the state, country. Massey ratings, I think, Kelly, are, are significant to me since you introduced me to them because these are what? These are the most scientific. If, if you're a, a math nerd and, and like, you know, the analytics of, of college sports, and it's not just college sports. I mean, junior college, it doesn't matter. Any, any conference, any league of, um, you know, beyond high school, Massey ratings encompasses everything, you know, computers and, and defensive yardage allowed and interceptions. And it, it's, it's really the, the matrix that goes into coming up with these ratings. These are the ones that the coaches kind of swear by because it's, uh, it cuts to the chase and there are no favorites here, no human beings involved in the way that these ratings are spit out. So these are the ones that I think most coaches find to be the purest. All right. Ratings. So Massey looking at conference USA has Florida Atlantic ranked as the top team in the conference USM second, Louisiana Tech third, Marshall fourth, and I think a big surprise is North Texas is fifth, UAB is sixth, according to Massey. North Texas, of course, earlier in the year, Massey had North Texas ranked uh, higher. Uh, The Mean Green, who come in here a week from Saturday, stubbed their toe last week against Houston and got blown out at home by, by the Houston Cougars. So I'm sure that's partly why that dropped. But I also think that the Mean Green, just even though they've got the fine quarterback name to find, the, they just haven't performed up to expectations. And, um, and they've dropped where the Eagles and UAB 
have slowly been creeping up. And I and I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I honestly, Bob, and I'm trying to see it with my my eyes rather than my heart, but I don't see a reason. The Eagles can get this one against North Texas. We seem to have owned Louisiana Tech over the years. I don't see there's any reason why the Eagles can't run the table. Now, I know that Coach Hobson and the guy and his coaching staff are oh, gosh, don't hex us like that. But I'm just saying, I think the Eagles continue to get a little bit better. It wasn't, look, it wasn't a, a Broadway winning show that beat UTEP Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's human nature to play down to your competition a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, UTEP's not very good. Uh, the Massey ratings would bear that out, in fact. There's 130 teams. Well, they're the last in the top, yes. according to Massey. And, and there's 130 teams in Division One football, and UTEP is ranked 128. Right out of one thirty, so that kind of so again, it wasn't a, it wasn't an award winning performance, but it was a win. All right, so they get this one against North Texas. We seem to have owned Louisiana Tech. We hope that would continue. Then you got Rice. Rice not very good. Yeah, but that's tricky, and I'm going to tell you why. We were talking about that yesterday. Rice hasn't won a game, but Rice has lost some really close football games. We're going to beat Rice. Okay. All right. Now UAB might be the one that. That jumps up and bites it because they we know about that. Yeah, they seem to have owned us over the years. But again, I I think I think uh, the Eagles could run the table. It's it's a bit optimistic. Perhaps look at the national Massey ratings and tell me where Southern Miss stands and where Conference USA stands nationally according to Massey. Okay, again, there's 130 teams in Division One FBS uh, football. All right, or FCS or whatever it is, the, the biggest schools. Florida Atlantic, as Bob just mentioned, top in Conference USA, but they check in 77th nationally. So right at about the halfway or a little little beyond halfway. Then Southern Miss right behind at 80. So out of the 130 teams, Massey calculates Southern Miss as 80 out of the 130. Then comes La Tech at 85, Marshall at 87, North Texas at 95. So you could certainly make an argument there that those four schools are pretty closely you know, lumped together. And these change daily. I mean, these Massey ratings change daily. It's something that's striking to me, though, as good as the news is for Southern Miss, and we, we know that, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're push, pulling for the Eagles all the way. But when you look at the rest of the conference, again, reminding you there's 130 teams. Western Kentucky is 113, Florida International 115, Charlotte 118, Rice 121, UT San Antonio, 122, Old Dominion, 125, and UTEP, 128. So almost half of the conference are in the bottom 15 teams in the country based and on the you also ratings. pointed out how many Conference USA teams are there? How many at this point have winning records? Four. Out of 14. Correct. Four teams have um, winning records, and that would be, of course, the Eagles, Florida Atlantic, La Tech, and UAB. Right. That's it. Those are the only teams. Now, to be fair, a lot of teams are like Southern Miss that have to load up the schedule with money games, right? right. So you go play those bigger schools. So there is a little caveat there. And most of the, most of the conference US, USA schools are in that same boat where they got to pay the bills. So uh, to be fair, you know, there are some of those games that you're going to take one on the chin for the check, right? Right. But, um, but it is interesting, nonetheless, that only – Four of the 14 have a winning record at this point. And, and and three of those teams, obviously Southern Miss being the fourth, but all three of those teams lie ahead for Southern Miss. That's right. 
And and really, you remember when we talked at the beginning of the year when we looked at the schedule? And again, this is purely from a fan standpoint. You get out the schedule and you circle the big ones. Well, North Texas coming in here next week, and of course, it's homecoming. It's a uh, it's a division game. It's it's the our side of the division that Southern Miss is in. But all eyes might be focused on that Florida Atlantic game the very last Saturday of the year. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, and and it, if the if the Massey ratings as they're out today bear that, then you got the top two teams in Conference USA that would be playing the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I think. All right, I got some good news for you, Kelly. We have two minutes left. The NFL power rankings are out, and Kelly, there are six NFL teams, believe it or not, that have not won a single game. Six. Well, I can name two of them. Have not won a single game. <laughs> but somehow, and after Monday night, I'm amazed at this, your Bengals are the highest-ranked NFL team without a win at number 27. Well, can I've you got, possibly explain that? Well, I've got writer's cramp from all the letters I wrote. You know. <laughs> You're ahead of the Broncos at 28, the Cardinals at 29. Who The Bengals play the Cardinals Sunday. The Jets at 30. The Redskins at 31 and the Dolphins at 32. So the Bengals are the cream of the crop among teams who have not won a game. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Tell me who the top three teams are, Kelly. My who guess is that the um, my favorite Start New with number three. Who would be number three? The Saints or the Rams? Saints. Oh, oh really? Okay. Number two. Uh, the Chiefs. Number one in your heart and your program, Kelly. Do I have to even say the N-E words? Go ahead. New England. The Patriots' defense balls again Sunday, forcing four turnovers in a tough road matchup against an equally talented Bills defense. When the revitalized Jamie Collins snatched a Matt Barkley floater out of the air for the game-winning interception, it finished a day covering for New England's slumping offense. And now New England is rewarded this coming Sunday with a game with those upstart Washington Redskins. <laughs> they sure are. And only a 17-point spread. New England's only a 17-point favorite. I can't imagine. Take the Patriots. And give the points. <laughs> this coming from a Redskin fan. That's, take, pitiful, that's pitiful, Bob. Take the Patriots, my friend. Pitiful. All right. When we come back, Patrick McGee's waiting for us down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, a professor from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. He's next on the Eagle Hour. We hope you'll stay right here because we're going to be right back. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Bob and Kelly, First Bank Studios here in Hattiesburg. First Bank, appreciate their support of the Eagle Hour, as we do Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Great place to go for you to get your homecoming apparel 
before next weekend. And Kelly, what is your favorite aspect of Campus Bookmark? The fact that they have sizes for us big boys. Well, I, you know, you laugh about that, but you go a lot of places, and that's a problem. No, yeah, because you, you'll go, man, I really like that shirt, and then you'll sort through, the, and there's a medium, and there's a right. large. Well, I haven't worn that since sixth grade. Right. You know? Right. And most of us guys in Mississippi, trying to keep us the number one state in morbid obesity. We're working on it. <laughs> and we've had a lot of success. <laughs> we have. and but, but we have to... In order for us to stay number one, we got to have clothes to wear. And right? I'm proud to say we do our part. We do our part, indeed. <laughs> Nothing like being number one, baby. We are number one in something. That's exactly right. Patrick McGee's from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. He's the number one sports reporter in the state, in our estimation. Professor, how are you? I'm great. How about y'all? Well, we're good. So, Professor, uh, the Golden Eagles get a break. I guess that means you get a little bit of a break uh, come Saturday. Uh, your analysis of where they stand going into this first break. Uh, you know, I think they are about where you would have, you know, expected them to be. And really, if you're Jay Hobson's staff, where you would hope to be. I mean, uh, going to state in Alabama, we're always going to be a uh, tall task. Uh, I know they didn't play as well as they would have liked at Mississippi State and least made that a more competitive football game. But Alabama's Alabama, and that's going to happen. Uh, but offensively, the game at Troy, you have to be really encouraged by the way they played there. Uh, now it's kind of becoming increasingly, increasingly apparent that Troy just – has struggled defensively here early in the season. Uh, if, if Southern Miss can kind of replicate that uh, here in the next game or two, that would probably give you more uh, confidence that Southern Miss is going to really be able to score the ball uh, with ease in Conference USA play. But uh, to be three and two, and and they have that win over the over UTEP to start conference play. It wasn't their best performance of the year, but it was a fairly simple, clear cut victory and and uh, put Southern Miss in position relatively healthy going into the bye week and getting ready for a an absolutely crucial game against North Texas. So I think Southern Miss is about where they were about where they could have hoped to have been. And I know that I know that uh, you know people are going, well, we should have blown out UTEP. We were a four touchdown. Fan. But but look, the human element in any sports is lots of times, and, and it's it's kind of out there. You can't feel it, you can't touch it. But lots of times, teams just have that inclination sometimes to play down to their competition. You know, and I think that, that 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 element was there to a degree. Patrick, agree, disagree? Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the UTEP game, really, if Southern Miss completes one or two more passes, that you know, that's almost like a forty-nine point ball game. And the if you take that long uh, quarterback run right up the middle, uh, where nobody touch, uh, touches Loxley, the UTEP quarterback, uh, that you know, uh, UTEP's only put up six points in that game, so. Uh, it was just one of those games. Uh, you know, I think Southern Miss was like a 26-point favorite. They didn't get to that point. But, uh, you know, you take what you can with it. You would have liked to run the ball just a touch better. Uh, but it was it was a fine game. Uh, it's it's nothing to really uh, cause any concern going forward. And plus, you know, that same UTEP team had really played Nevada uh, tough the week prior. So I think they came in with a touch of confidence. So mm-hmm. I think the UTEP game, you take it for what it is and not really read too much into it. And again, there's not, we don't have a lot of coach speak on this show, so we, we approach this show more from a fan base standpoint. When you look at the rest of the schedule and the way that the other teams in the conference have played up to this point, Patrick, am I just swinging from power lines? <clears throat> Excuse me, these allergies are getting me. Am I just swinging from power lines, or is there a realistic shot that Southern could, win, could run the table? Yeah, there is that possibility. I, you know, in my piece that I published uh, last week on the Sun Herald website, I kind of predicted, I did predict how Southern Miss, I thought Southern Miss would do the rest of the way. And I think the schedule is set up fairly well for Southern Miss. I, uh, this North Texas game, it's, 
you're kind of waiting to see what North Texas is going to do in Hattiesburg. We all know what success they've had against Southern Miss in recent years, but uh, the, uh, North Texas really got it put to them by a Houston team that was struggling. Uh, SMU, which has turned out to be a really good team, uh, really put it on uh, North Texas. I mean, North Texas has that kind of dominant win over uh, UTSA, but UTSA is a is maybe the worst team in the conference this year. So I, I don't know, you know, UNT sitting there at two and three overall. Uh, I'm not sure we can say any confidence right now that North Texas is the favorite in the West Division. I think you can make a strong case that Southern Miss is in that position and, and Louisiana Tech could potentially jump into that conversation as well. They didn't have the greatest of game against Rice, but in that West Division, I, I think – uh, uh, just looking at performance up to this point, you would might give Southern Miss a slight edge on um, winning the West Division. I'm going to point to two games. I'm curious to see if you see these as dangerous games down the line for Southern Miss, UAB, and Florida Atlantic. Yeah, and, and Florida Atlantic is going to be the tricky one. For one thing, that's the, the season finale. Uh, FAU has played pretty well offensively here in the season. I, I think right now I would probably pick them to win the East. Uh, but UAB, the way you know the way they lost to West Kentucky last week, uh, I'm not sure if UAB is is that much of a threat coming into Hattiesburg. I think Southern Miss can finally kind of end the skid against those guys as long as Southern Miss uh, stays healthy and continues to improve on defense. I think Southern Miss would be a UAB. I think the trap game uh, potentially for Southern Miss is Rice. <laughs> I nah, that's Rice what I told Kelly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Rice uh, really uh, took La Tech to overtime and played some good teams really tough. It's only a matter of time for they kind of break through and maybe beat somebody you don't expect them to, or or put a cup, you know, win two or three ball games. So I think Rice is the one I kind of look at as a trap game, and you can't really take West Kentucky for granted either. Right. Patrick, Patrick, when when you look at the different uh, the different aspects of the Southern Miss team, offense, defense, and even get a little bit more specific than that. Have there been any areas of the Southern Miss game, Patrick, that have been pleasant surprises? Have there, and conversely, have there been any areas of Southern Miss's play that have been a little bit disappointment compared to your expectations? Uh, you know, I, I expected the the ground game to be better, and I think it has been better. I don't; they haven't had that breakout game yet. Uh, but I, you know, whenever they lost Ravinsky Mosley, you really kind of uh, uh, became worried that that uh, ground game wouldn't uh, take a step forward. But it has. The Michael Harris, I think, has been. Uh, really uh, an absolutely crucial piece of the team here early in the season with Mosley going down with injury. Uh, he's able to kind of bring it all together as a guy that can carry the ball inside, outside, and and, uh, and catch the ball out of the backfield. So Harris has been kind of a surprise, I would say, individually. And just the, the ground game really kind of stepping up and, and playing better. They've got to do more in conference play, but I think they're heading in that direction. But obviously the, probably the disappointment has been in, in you know, on the defensive side side of the ball, specifically the secondary, uh, with the way they've played. I think they played okay against UTEP, but UTEP's one of the worst passing teams in the nation. Uh, it remains to be seen if, if that secondary can kind of step up to the challenge against a really good passing game and Mason Fine at, at North Texas. That's really kind of the measuring stick game. If they can if they can hold Mason Fine and finally kind of find their stride, that kind of tells you that Southern Miss is going to be capable of playing for a conference championship. Patrick, did uh... – at the UTEP game, your observation, did the much ballyhooed beer sales have any impact on attendance, uh, activities throughout, throughout the stadium, anything you can report on that? 
Well, yeah, I think that you saw a slight, uh, a slightly larger crowd than what you normally would have gotten for that UTEP game. It's it's not one that usually would have uh, drawn that well. And I think the the most clear difference was in the uh, student section. Uh, that was probably the biggest student section I've I've seen in a while. I, I couldn't remember the last time, uh, other than maybe a homecoming or or one of the uh, uh, SWAT games. As far as a con- conference game, they I can't remember the last time they had that that many students in the student section, and they stayed well into the second half. Uh, but as far as how the beer sales went, there were, you know, uh, it, you know, alcohol related incidents have always been a thing at Southern Miss uh, football games or any college football game. And there was no, uh, no, no, uh, in, you know, indication that it was any different Saturday. So I, I think everything went about as smoothly as you could expect. And uh, you hope in the long run it kind of pays off. UTEP was going to be a game that didn't really inspire a big crowd, but uh, for, you know, 23,000 plus to show up in that big student section, I think those were positive signs. Uh, do you know how much was sold? Did the school release any information? Or no, I have not. I want to ask Jeremy McLean that number, or at least some point get get an idea of what they're kind of averaging uh, per home game. But I haven't asked just yet. Well, I think sales were a little disappointing in part because Kelly didn't make the game Saturday night. Well, my evil twin Greg did though. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> have you ever met Greg <laughs> with two oh, G's? Uh, yeah, avoid him <laughs> at all costs. Okay, Patrick. Well, you take a uh, you take this Saturday off, and then uh, we'll call you next Thursday. We're, we're short on time, but uh, real quickly, you got to be on a scale of one to ten. How happy with your hoodats? Well, gosh, I mean, it's just a complete relief uh, for the Saints to be in this position. Uh, for all Saints fans, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater hasn't. Uh, really lit lit it up or anything, but he's done enough to win ball games. And for them to beat the Cowboys in the Superdome, that's that makes any Saints fan feel great. Yeah, you're not kidding. I heard a Saints fan the other day kind of trashing Bridgewater, and I said, you just need to stop. I mean, the kids beating Seattle and and the Dallas Cowboys, right. you can't ask for anything. And like when that. and when Drew Brees went down, Bob, we talked about this with Ramona. Been the end. You would have thought maybe, but I just didn't. I don't think the Saints give up a whole lot. It's a different type of offense, obviously, but but Teddy Bridgewater's capable. He's been a starter in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to have a backup quarterback, he's a good one. Why not have a guy that has started in the league? All right, Patrick. So we can conclude you're happy right now with the New Orleans Saints. Oh yeah, I mean that, it's it's kind of revives that hope of a Super Bowl because if you can get Breeze back maybe a week earlier or you know round about what they were saying, you know, uh, six week abs, five six week abs, and. Uh, the Saints can, you know, if they, especially if they beat the Buccaneers Sunday, uh, that puts the Saints in, in on track for an NFC South and possibly a run out of the Super Bowl. All right, buddy. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a good one. Patrick McGee, everybody, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Colin Mills, former long snapper for the Golden Eagles, on the show next. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Our thanks to Patrick McGee for joining us from the Biloxi Sun Herald. This segment sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Great place to uh, enjoy yourself, enjoy great food, great Southern Miss memorabilia, pool, darts, cold beer, and great, great plate lunches. I just can never remember how much. Kelly, you remember how much they are? As a matter of fact, Bob, I can. I do remember. It's eight ninety-five, and today is the pork chop 
pork chop plate this is today. Your day today. Nice thick this is your favorite cut today. of pork chops. Yeah. And they're they've given me a, a name now when I shoot pool there at Fourth Street. Yeah. Iowa fats. Iowa fats. <laughs> Not Minnesota so fats. So like but. Tuesday nights are my wife's favorite TV night. Thursdays are your favorite lunch day at 4th Street. But well, every day really is. But right. but Thursday, just that pork chop. You can get it blackened. You can get it. And, and usually it's it was served with black-eyed, black-eyed peas or, or uh, you know, greens. You or, see Michael you know. Mergen's right there? He said the catfish Friday was the best he had ever eaten at 4th Street Bar Grill. It's because of that special seasoning that Slade and them uh, it was you know, put on very, it. Very, very good. So we thank 4th Street Bar and Grill for their support of the Eagle Hour. Our next guest is a Florida young man. He was a uh, snapper for the Golden Eagles 2017-2018, and I believe may have redshirted one year. We'll find out. And I think started his, his play at Central Florida. We welcome Colin Mills to the show. And Colin, uh, welcome on the Eagle Hour. What's going on, guys? Well, nothing, man. We're glad to have you on the show. You down in Florida? Is that where we're hearing from you from? No, no. I actually, uh, I live in Jackson now. Oh, okay, okay. So, what are you doing now, post football, Colin? That took you to Jackson. So, uh, so I got a job with um, a company called Centos as mm-hmm. a uh, management trainee, and uh, I got placed here in Jackson. I got you. I got you. All right, so. You come to USM via Central Florida. Am I correct about that? Yes, sir. All right. So you come out of high school in uh, in the state of Florida. You go to Central Florida. I want to ask you one quick question about Central Florida before we uh, before we get to USM. I think people have a misconception about Central Florida. Central Florida is a huge school, is it not? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but when I was there, it was the second largest university in the nation. Uh, I mean, I think we have 60 to 65 total students there. Is that right? Behind Arizona State. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. So Central Florida is the biggest university in the state of Florida, right, Colin? Oh, yeah, by, by far. Is that right? See, I don't think a lot of people know that, Kelly. No, you're probably right, but but it is, man. It's It's huge. And I think two years ago should have had an opportunity to play for the national championship. Well, that's still being argued, and Coach Frost, who's now at Nebraska, would certainly say that he thought right. that his Your team Your thoughts that. about that, Colin? Oh, man. So, uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, they had a great year. They, the thing a lot of people don't realize is, uh, I mean, if you look at the years past, I mean, that UCF has been a pretty dominant program for most of the late 2000s into, you know, the 2010s and what they are now. Um, I think the big thing to just change with that is uh, the when they got new leadership there in the uh, athletic department, they were more vocal about how they how successful they were, and that kind of you know propelled them into what they are now to get more of that national attention. I mean, I think they're a, a great football team, and you know, they uh, I definitely think that you know they're. They, they can play with anybody in the country. I agree. All right, so let's talk about Southern Miss. You come here, and, and you you give us a good couple of years as the snapper. And, you know, I think I think you play what is the most underappreciated position in football. You snap on punts, field goals, and extra points. And every time there's a field goal to win the game, Kelly Santer, all the eyes are on the kicker and the holder. But if Colin Mills doesn't get the, the snap back in place – then you don't have a field goal, right, Colin? Yes, sir. That's exactly right. 
So, and, and really, that, that position, as football has become more specialized over the year, you've got guys that are, you know, punting specialists, place-kicking specialists. When did this, um, this focus on the long-snapping position really evolve into, you know, full-time scholarship guys, Colin? Um, so, uh, probably, I graduated in 14. Um, I mean, in the early 2000s, it was becoming, you know, where people were walking on, you know, earning scholarships, that was kind of the way to go. And then probably in the late, like, 2008-ish, they started actually giving out scholarships to, you know, like, incoming freshmen. And that kind of, I think that really changed, you know, how, how people viewed that position uh, just because of the importance of it. You know, it's one of those things you don't realize you need one until you have a bad one. Yeah, that's kind of kind of like a lawyer, what they say about a lawyer, right? Until you need one, you know. But but it's it's a point well made because it used to be in the old days. First of all, old time coaches didn't want to they didn't want to give scholarships to kickers, and they didn't want to give scholarships to long snappers. And of course, that has that has changed now. Um, but the the position you talk about offensive linemen lots of times not getting any glory. The long snapper, you know, is is that something that you go up and tell a group of five, you know, girls, Colin? Hey, I was the long snapper. Yeah, yeah it's, it's normally followed by what is that? <laughs> what exactly you did? Yeah. Well, it is what it is, bud. Right? <laughs> yes, sir. So, so did you growing up to the youth leagues and so on and so forth? When did you f- find out that you had a an, an aptitude for long snapping? Um. So, in I actually started my sophomore year of high school. Uh, I was a center growing up, played offensive line, defensive line. Um, and then when I got to high school, we had a need for it. Um, and my quarterback in high school, his dad was Rick Tootin, the punter for the Bills, the Rams, uh, the Seahawks. And he was one of my really good friends, close friends. And his dad approached me about it and kind of got me into it. And just being around the league as long as he was, he, uh, he knew, you know, he knew the basics and just kind of was able to get me going and started in it. Because his son was our punter. So, you know, he was trying to you know, help his son out as much as possible as well. So, so how did you transition from Central Florida to Southern Miss, and how did that happen? Uh, can, you, can you repeat yourself one second? I didn't hear you there. Yeah, I said, so how did you make the move from Central Florida to Southern Miss? How did that happen? Uh, so I decided, uh, decided I wanted to change the scenery. Um, I kind of reached out to a couple places. Uh, I was actually going to walk on to Florida State and uh, snap there. And then... Um, a guy I trained with, a named Sam Lundy, probably one of the one of the best kicking coaches in the country. He's had a couple of roses come out of there. Um, he contacted uh, Coach Waz, Coach Wozniak, our old uh, our old special teams coach and receivers coach, and uh, he contacted me. And I came up and visited, and the rest is history. And I decided I wanted to be a Golden Eagle. And how'd you enjoy your time here in Hattiesburg, Colin? Oh, I loved it. I I loved every minute of it. What was it initially that attracted you to the uh, to the Hub City? Uh, the biggest thing for me was I wanted to be a part of a program where you could tell that the coaching staff actually cared about you. Um, wow. And I got that vibe with Coach Hobson right off the bat. I mean, the first thing he tells you is that he's not a football coach, he's a life coach, and that, you know, he's going to be there for you no matter what. You know, you're going to have your mess ups and your screw-ups and, you know, He's going to love you unconditionally, and, you know, he's going treat to you, treat you as well as possible. And, and truth be told, Colin, the thing that clinched it for you, and we have a scoop here on the show that we're ready to divulge, what really 
made it for you was the fact that the women in South Mississippi know what a long snapper does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's it. We have a scoop right here on the now, show. Colin, I'm guessing in your two years, you never ran across any attractive young women at Southern Miss, did you? Oh, man. I, I, loved, I loved everything about Southern Miss. <laughs> so, obviously, we're talking to a single guy. On, on the, on the, yes, sir. That's great, Colin. That's great. Well, man, best of luck to you and your career up at Jackson. And uh, thank you for your contributions here. And thanks for a great interview, man. We enjoyed talking to you. Hey, no problem. Anytime. All right, Colin Mills, everybody. You love that honesty, don't you? Well, and, and yes, like sir, I loved everything about. And like I said, you I, you know you're talking to a single guy because he didn't answer that question with any reservation whatsoever. If that was a married guy, he'd have gone pulled the old Ralph Cramden and gone, "How many? How many? How many? How do I answer this?" You know. So. Truly, though, that's the most underappreciated position on a football team. And I think he makes a very good point. You know that it's the holder. You see the holder and the kicker. You don't ever even see the long snapper, no, right? No. And I'm sure technique-wise, they're all different techniques. I mean, it's very subtle to us, but to snap it to a punter who's, who's maybe 15 yards back or 10 yards back or however far the punter is, to a place-kicking uh, holder is only 7 yards back, wow. a punter you have to snap it eye-high, to the place-kicking holder you have to snap it you know, about knee high. Right. So, and you got to be on the money, buddy. It's, it's amazing. You have to be on the money because if you're not, you throw the timing of the kicker off. Every time you got to be right. on the money. Yeah, that's so. exactly right. All right. Well, we appreciate Colin Mills joining us and always fun to talk to these kids. That, uh, <laughs> we're so honest. What are they? What is that? <laughs> so honest about <laughs> some of their experiences here. And that was, I, th- I thought, just a great interview. But you get that common thread too, don't you, with these athletes about Hattiesburg, the sense of family. Right. The sense of how everybody looks out for each other and takes right. care and of each other. Quite a compliment to Jay Hopson there from that youngster, I think, I, I thought as well. And, and I talk, was talking to a high school coach a couple of days ago who's been in the business a long time, and he said when he first started out, it was more what could the kids do for me. But he said as I've gotten older and more mature, I realize that is not what it's all about. I agree. All right, we'll wrap the Eagle Hour up. Have some kind of, dis- well, disturbing news, but we're going to share it with you when we come back. Hey, welcome back, everybody, and uh, thanks for tuning in this afternoon. I want to thank Colin Mills and, of course, the professor for joining us uh, on this Thursday afternoon. This segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends down at Gulfport Home Center. Big, big selection of pre-manufactured housing uh, everywhere from one to four-bedroom homes, uh, everything that you can, uh, you might need for whatever your housing needs could be, Kelly. New, used, hunting camp. Weekend, lake house, whatever, uh, Gulfport Home Center. Place yeah, to go. really affordable too. You know, and and right. if you even need a need an inside, you know, idea as to where to to place your, they can help you. They sure that. can. Yeah, they've got a, right. a line to all the land that's available. 
Right, some sad news brought to our attention uh, this morning. Uh, we learned that the mother-in-law of head football coach Jay Hobbs and his wife, Michelle, of course, her mother, uh, lost her life Monday. The details are sketchy, Kelly, but the information we have is that uh, is that Miss Hobson's parents were driving to their home in, in Fort White, Florida, when they were involved in an accident, and her mother died in the accident. We understand that her father was injured. Uh, funeral services are being held in Florida Saturday for her mother, the mother of Michelle Hobson, the mother-in-law of head football coach Jay Hobson, and, and we extend uh, our deepest condolences uh, to Coach Hobson and his family. And and Michelle put something out on her, I believe, her Twitter page um, about, uh, you know, details of her mother's services and so on. Um, you, you just never know. And no. that particular subject is is a little bit tough for me because that's how my wife was, you know, right. left us. Right. Was in a in a car accident. So um, yeah, and I think Michelle will if she didn't already know. I'm sure she did, but but she will see just how unique and how really compassionate our community is, and will rally around her and Jay mm-hmm. in these times. And that's what family does. I mean, we're not literally family, obviously, but but you know, metaphorically, the Southern Miss family will rally, and mm-hmm. it's. You're never prepared for something like that. And it reminds you of, of several years ago when the daughter of the then head football coach, uh, Jeff Bauer, Jeff Bauer was, was killed in an accident. Uh, it's, and, that's, and that even has to be tougher because you yeah. never, you know, a, a parent never dreams of, of right. outliving their children. And uh, my, my mom, you know, passed in June and she outlived two of her children. And she said that was the toughest thing she ever had to, to deal with. You know, besides yeah. my dad, of course. I, right. mean, you know. I saw the same thing in my family. That's just something you never want to think about. So our condolences uh, to the Hobson family. All right, Kelly, we're back on the road tomorrow. You and I and uh, Michael will be headed down to Ramey's Motors, Ramey Motors in Purvis. We're always amazed when we go down there, aren't we? Yeah, the, the, new, uh, the new different recreational vehicles and things that are out, and it ranges anywhere from, you know, fishing boats to, to four-wheelers. And, of course, we're heading right into deer season. I know you're going, wait a minute, it's 96 and we're talking about deer season. Mm-hmm. Forget the calendar. I mean, next month we, we're, we're going to be in the woods. Or Please at least start- bring us some football weather. Please. And I think, what, maybe Tuesday things are supposed to start yeah, to cool please. down some? Also, another note, next Friday we're at 4th Street, but we're going to have an expanded two-hour edition of the Eagle Hour next Friday from 4th Street. So that means you can have two Eight ninety-five lunches, Kelly. Oh, there, there is a heaven. <laughs> yeah, one per hour. Yeah, that's about that's about so, right. So uh, we're working on the, on our lineup for that day. We're gonna hopefully, uh, hopefully, we can get the AD over Jeremy McLean. Always enjoy conversations with him. We're gonna reach out and see if that's possible, and uh, and we're gonna fill it up with two good hours. Now, here's what we want you to do: we want you to go to our Facebook page, the Eagle Hour Facebook page. We want us, we want you to let us know. If you plan to have Dickies cater your homecoming tailgate, right? And the first, the first fan, listener, whatever that contacts us verifies to us that Dickies is going to provide some food and beverage for their homecoming tailgate, right? We'll verify that with the fan and with Dickies, and then you're going to be there, right? Homecoming. Of course, Kelly and I are going to show up. Or not. This ought to really make this ought to really make you want to participate. Kelly and I are going to show up at your tailgate. 
with a box full of Super Talk and Eagle Hour swag. How does that sound, Kelly? There will be all the swag in there. I can't guarantee that all the food is going to make it to you. No, but we can bring you swag. So it would be our pleasure to come to your tailgate. We won't save it a minute. You don't have to worry about that. (laughs) And bring you the latest Super Talk and Southern Miss swag. All you have to do is verify for us that you're going to use Dickies to cater your tailgate uh, at USM's homecoming a week from tomorrow. And, hey, we're going to put that on our Facebook page, remind you, and hopefully someone will contact us. We'll look forward to meeting you. I've not only done that, but like I said, our our fantasy football uh, draft, Dickie's – uh, catered all of our stuff. It's just so much easier that way. You know, and then you then you can enjoy and relax. It is homecoming. You'll probably be running into classmates That's you right. know, that you went to school with at Southern. So, man, let Dickies take care of it Kelly and I dined on Dickies during the Mississippi State game, so we can attest to the... I love going into Dickies, and I'll say, what would take the longest to prepare? Which, it's always quick. They're always quick getting to it anyway. But I said, what's the longest to prepare? And they go, why do you always ask that, Mr. Sanders? I said, because that's what I'm going to order. So you guys, I can just sit over here and have four or five ice cream cones. ice cream first. Yeah, (laughs) I got you. All right. Uh, Keep your eyes on the Facebook page. Uh, Let us know. We'd love to come visit with you a little bit next Saturday, bring some really cool Eagle Hour stuff. That wraps it up for today. Kelly and I will be along with Michael in Purvis tomorrow at Ramey Motors. And until then, everyone, Southern Miss. To the top. Into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.